0: Many of you already know Roger Leonard, but there are some things you may not know about him and let me uh, let me review his resume. Uh, of course, you know Roger, those that you know him, knew he grew up in Chattanooga. He worked in his family business, which started in 1931. Not sure if Roger started then or not, but uh, he worked for several years as a vice president in that business. Uh, He later went on to become a great preacher of the gospel. Roger graduated from David Lipscomb University in 1988 with a B.A. in speech communications with emphasis on preaching and minor in Bible. He attended the Nashville School of Preaching for two years, 1991 through 1992. He's been a full-time preacher for the Steedley Church of Christ in Louisville, Kentucky, the Chapel Hill Church of Christ in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and the East Side Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. He served uh, on the mission staff, the Latin American mission staff, uh, the, that was overseen by the Forest Park Church of Christ for many years. He has, he has established uh, jail ministries in Marshall County, Tennessee. He worked in the jail ministry there when in Forest Park. He's been involved in 55 or more. Foreign campaigns since 1984, not only involved but directing most of them. Directed preaching lectureship in Honduras and Nicaragua. By the way, Roger is fluent in Spanish. He taught in the Bible School of the Americas in Panama and Colombia. He plays the guitar. (laughs) He likes hiking. And he has a wonderful family. Uh Elisa, his wife, who is with us today, and Will, his youngest son, who is with us today, uh, has a daughter Amanda, aged twenty-seven, is married and lives in Englewood, Florida. Clay, age twenty-five, is a full-time preacher at the Parish Church of Christ in Parish, Kentucky, uh, which is a suburb of Lexington, I understand. Close to Lexington. Uh Ellie, age 18, is in her first year at freed Hardman University, and Will, who is with us today, uh, age 16, is in the 11th grade in Southern Georgia. And now, Brother Roger. By the way, if you didn't hear his Sunday school lesson, you really missed a good lesson. The paper that he, or the, uh, the outline of that lesson. Uh, was distributed and handed out, and some are in the foyer if you'd like to pick those up. Roger has a very effective way of preaching God's Word and applying that to our lives. Now, Brother Roger.
1: As one brother said one time after his introduction, I can hardly wait to hear myself preach. (laughs) That's a little bit uh, more than I should say. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, and I've seen people that I haven't seen in a long time uh people I knew growing up, and of course some of my uh, family on my dad's side and and of course we're the family of God and it's a pleasure to be here. Brother Watkins told me one time that he never preached on mother's day now you've got to decipher that I said did he preach on mother's day or did he not preach on motherhood on Mother's Day. I figured he preached every Mother's Day. But I wanted to talk this morning about something that's been in my mind and I think it's a very important question. Why did God choose and use Mary to be the mother of Jesus? Why her? I want to look at The prophecies, some of them, I want to look at the genealogies, I want to look at her character and life, and I want to look at the time. I'm just going to tell you up front, after studying this, I have concluded Mary is the only one that God could have used. When I get through with the lesson, you can decide whether or not you agree or disagree with that. Because bringing the Son of God into the world was God's plan. It was never man's. It was God's design. And so we read in Luke chapter 1 beginning with verse 26 that the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom uh, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be? since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Why did God choose Mary to be the mother of His Son? When you go back to the book of Genesis, you'll re- remember Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve had sinned and God confronts each of them and the devil in, after the incident is over. And God speaks to the devil and He speaks of the woman. And one of the things that He says to her that, that the seed of woman would be in conflict with the seed of Satan... And ultimately, the text says, it or he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. The first part of the lesson I would say this morning is somewhat technical, so stay with me for that, then the end of it will be more practical. To get Jesus into the world in the way that God planned it, there have to be some technicalities involved. When I think about the prophecies that are involved, I think about this as what some have called the proto-evangelium. In other words, the first gospel. I find it amazing that after Adam and Eve sinned, God in His unique way is telling them, I'm going to take care of this problem that the devil has brought into the world and that you're a part of. Ultimately, most of us know Genesis 3 and verse 15 was fulfilled in the death of Christ. Many believe that the that the reference to the, the heel of the seed of woman being bruised would be a reference to the Lord's heels being nailed to the cross. Be that as it may, we know ultimately that He was. But Jesus didn't stay on the cross, He was removed after He died and He was buried and Three days later, he was resurrected. He dealt what we call a crushing blow to the head of Satan. What Satan brought into the world to cause death and problems for man, God took care of with His Son. But ultimately, though, this Son would have have to be born, would have to come into the world. If you study the genealogies, and I'll get to that in a moment, but you study the genealogies, you know that Cain killed Abel. But you also know that God gave Eve another son by the name of Seth. You will find in the genealogy in Luke's record, in Luke chapter 3, as you trace it all the way back to Adam, that Seth was in the lineage or the genealogy of Jesus after he was born. And you follow that. But I want to move down a little further in time to about, um, what do you say, about 1900 B.C. to a man named Abraham. God had called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees to a land that He would show him. But He made a promise to Abraham. He said, In you all the nations of the earth will be blessed in Genesis chapter 12 in the last part of verse 3. I have a class for little ones on Sunday evenings for about 15 minutes at Adele. And I talked to them about that, and I said, now, what does that mean that in you, the nations of the earth will be blessed? And I'm teaching them that that's fulfilled. When Jesus would come into the world, all the nations of the earth could be blessed as the genealogy would follow through time and come to the time that Jesus was born. But if something had to happen first, you've got this old couple who are beyond the age of being able to conceive and have children, and... And so Abraham in Genesis chapter 18 verse 10, Abraham and Sarah are promised a son. Well, it wasn't Ishmael, it was Isaac. Isaac was born to them as a promised son. And we see in Genesis chapter 21 that Isaac was conceived and he was born. And so we're looking at prophecies and we're seeing this begin to unfold how God would bring this Son of His, into the world. The lesson is not so much on that as it is ultimately leading up to the woman that God used to, to bring His Son into the world. You may remember in Peter's sermon, you've got to put yourself in Acts chapter 2 in the shoes of a Jewish person. A Jewish person who knew the law, who had, many of whom had heard Jesus preach, who knew somewhat uh, of the many of the things that he said, but especially those Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus. And Peter says something in Acts chapter 2 and verse 30 regarding David. You know, David was in the lineage of Jesus as well. you got Abraham and then later David. Therefore, David being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath "...to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne." Now you have to be Jewish in your understanding and know your Old Testament to understand why Peter would say this. This is ultimately a fulfillment of what was said in Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12. The record says, "...when your days are fulfilled regarding David, and you rest with your fathers... I will set up your seed after you and you and who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Well that's precisely what Peter is talking about as he speaks of this prophecy and it's also recorded in Psalm 132 and verse 13. We're seeing then the promise that God made in Genesis 3:15 begin to unfold. He speaks to Eve ultimately of the seed of woman one would come who would crush the seed of Satan. Then you see the promise God made to Abram and Sarah, and they would be given a child in their own age. Later God speaks about a thousand B C to, to David. And ultimately in time, we see that Jesus was born. But Jesus was not conceived in the normal way. We just read a moment ago that the Holy Spirit would overshadow Mary. Mary was a virgin. You may remember Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and they will call his name Emmanuel. What does Matthew 1 and verse 23 say that that means? God with us. But Isaiah says a virgin would conceive how does a virgin conceive well with us they don't with us that is impossible that just doesn't happen well at this time we understand that God was doing something very different because he wasn't bringing just any child into the world he was bringing his son Jesus into the world and so Mary conceived of the Holy Spirit and it's fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. And somebody says, well, doesn't that Isaiah 7.14 mean young woman? Well, Matthew says it means virgin. In the Septuagint translation of Isaiah 7.14, uh, parthenos is the word that is used for virgin in the Greek, which was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. It's the same word that's used in Matthew 1.23. These things are very important. But God's bringing His Son into the world and we see then a touch, at least, of some of the prophecies that had to be fulfilled and ultimately fulfilled in Mary. Now, what about the genealogies? When you read the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, which Matthew was written to a primarily a Jewish audience and, well, they were big on genealogies. I mean they kept meticulous records of who was born to whom read your old testament but don't ever think that those genealogies are not in the old testament just to have give us something to read and they're not they should not ever be considered boring there is a purpose for this to fulfill promises that God made but you read the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 through 16 and it's Joseph's genealogy now we know that joseph was not the physical father of our lord but he was of the lineage it's interesting also when you look at luke's record in luke chapter 3 the genealogy and luke traces it all the way all the way back to adam but both of them mention david both of them mention abraham because mary and joseph's lineage both trace back To those individuals. Of course everyone traces back to Adam. Do they not? But thinking about the importance of this. Because God is bringing his son into the world. And he has a plan in place. And everything God does is perfect. It will be executed the way he wants it done. It will be carried out the way he wants it to be done. So you have the prophecies. And then you have the genealogies. And they lay down Side by side, and it's interesting also in Luke's account of the, of the record that it says that it was supposed, that Joseph as was supposed, the, 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 uh, the father of, of Jesus, but he wasn't, God was. Now let's talk about Mary. Why her? Do you believe that in the first century there would have been some godly virgin women who in their godliness could have raised the mother of our Lord? How many of you have known some women who could probably carry out that task? And and I'm sure that there were. I'm sure that there could have been. But why this woman? Why Mary, the wife of Joseph? Well, number one, she had to fall in line with the prophecies, and the prophecies had to fall in line with the genealogies, and she does. But there's more to it than that. I want to think about Mary and her spiritual life. What kind of woman was she? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 22, we see Jesus is going to be presented in the temple understanding that there was a pattern to this. You go back and read Leviticus chapter 12 and you see after the birth of a son that a woman is to wait and be purified before she would bring her son and present him in the temple. And so we read in Luke 2 and verse 22, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him To the Lord. Secondly, we see in chapter 2 and verse 22 and 23 that they did present Jesus to the Lord according to the law. And then we see also that verse 24 that she made a sacrifice according to the law. Now, let's talk about these points for a moment. There's something about Mary that needs to be considered by all Christian women especially young women who want to be mothers in the Lord's church. How many of us believe there is a need for strong, spiritual, Christian young women to be strong Christian wives and mothers for the kingdom today? And you look at the pattern of this woman's life, and she waited till the completion of her purification, and that was according to the law of Moses, But there's a reason for this. Because she's going to present her son to the Lord. Now, God's plan, when the Jewish people bore children, they were to present those children to the Lord. God wanted godly offspring. He wanted people to be faithful to Him. Mothers know this, but it bears repeating The strongest people in the world to present children to God are godly mothers. You have no idea, or maybe you do, how strong and powerful that influence is that you have over the life of your child. You look at the fruit of a woman who loves God, who serves God, who honors God, and honors Him by the way she deals with her children in bringing them up. Even though Paul is speaking in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, it says, You fathers, but it also applies to mothers. You bring those children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. So the first thing you would see about this, is that before a mother can bring her children to the Lord, she must purify herself. She must prepare herself. How can you and I be godly parents if we have not purified our own lives before God but when we do that gives us the power the ability she also brought her son Jesus to present him to the Lord according to Luke two twenty two, and therefore godly mothers must present their children to God in his way how many of you know how difficult it is to bring up a child keep him or her on the right path we were visiting i don't remember where we were yesterday Is i think it was in the in the motel uh little eating area and observing the way some people interact with their children some people just ignore their children they just let them do whatever they want to do some women and it's usually the mothers isn't it it is they, they, they're on top of it. You don't do that. Sit up straight, behave, and, and leave that alone. And, and I know that kind of sounds irritating to the child, but it's a part of the training. But then you apply that to bringing up children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. But we're going to do it God's way. We have to bring up these children in the ways that God would have us to do it. They need to hear mama pray. They need to see mama living that Christian life. And then as they teach that child and they guide him or her in the right way, the child can't say, well, mama, you're not doing that because mama is doing that. This consistency. But bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You want to fix the issues with our culture? Let's start with the home. Let's start with mothers. Think about Mary. She's bringing the Son of God into the world. Now, I know He was God's Son, but I also know He was human. He needed training and guidance and instruction just like any other little boy did. He needed that from His mother. We know what took place in the temple, that He was asking and answering questions among the scholars of the Jewish people. We understand that. But He also was a child. And He needed that. What better woman than a woman, number one, who would purify or prepare herself first, who would bring her child up in the way that God would have her to do it, and to offer sacrifice for her own sins. We have to think about the power that Mary had to be a godly woman, and she would have to do this to maintain a spiritual relationship with God herself. Mothers don't ever discount your spirituality and its power. Some of you are past that, your grandmothers. We have a couple at Adele who bring their grandchildren regularly to Bible class and to worship. Why do they do that? Well, because the parents won't. The parents don't. These are their grandchildren. And so here are spiritual people working to bring up these children. But you think about Mary. Why Mary? Mary could not be unholy or ungodly in any shape form or fashion in the way the Bible describes it. She wasn't. She lived for God. She followed the law of Moses as any good Jewish woman would. And she followed the procedure of purification and for preparing herself to bring Jesus, to present Him to the priest in the temple, and to purify herself by offering sacrifice, as the Jews required the poor people, the the turtle doves, you know, a poor person's offering for sin, but there is a godly woman, and you know, you don't have to be rich. Obviously, Joseph and Mary were very poor people. When you think about the way we look at possessions, but also we see in Luke chapter 2 and verse 41, that Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to worship every year. I'm picturing this. From the time that Jesus was a baby, they're taking him to worship. He gets a little older, they're taking him to worship and teaching him the ways, of the laws and the and all the things that Jewish boys needed to know to be faithful to God. I can't imagine that Jesus just learned this by happenstance. Mothers, her, his mother had to teach him. And it was a part isn't that what Deuteronomy 6 is about? To talk to your children when, they, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, everywhere you go, so that the future generations can know God's will. I'm picturing this woman dedicated to God, taking him and teaching him and having him in worship. And what a powerful testimony of her life. I'm beginning to see that God had a reason for choosing Mary as He did. This is a very spiritually minded woman. This is a woman dedicated to God. This is a woman dedicated to worshiping God and serving God and doing things God's way. And she's bringing His Son into the world and it's so important that she be the right kind of person. And then you see in Luke chapter 1 the Song of Mary. I want you to follow this with me from verses 46 and following. And I want you to think about it two ways. I don't believe that she's saying this without help from the Holy Spirit. But also, I don't believe she's saying this just by the by the holy spirit alone here is a woman who knew god here is a woman who knew god's word and yet i see there are things here that obviously the holy spirit helped her with but also a woman who obviously had been studying and no listen you can't bring up the son of god and not know scripture we can't bring children up in the world if we don't know scripture and she does listen to her attitude toward God. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. All this has to do with her response to God and the fact that she's bringing His Son into the world. For He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. She's realizing some very powerful and important things. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. This is knowledge of not only Old Testament Scripture, but history of God's people and the promises that God had made. And if you have a reference Bible, look in the column or wherever they're noted at the Scriptures that are here that she's referring to. For He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty in their, from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Doesn't that sound like Jesus as He begins the Sermon on the Mount? As we, as we think about those who are poor in spirit. What do you mean, Lord, the first thing He says in the Beatitudes? Poor in spirit, a humble person before God. Obviously, Jesus was God's Son. Obviously, the Spirit of God was in Him when He preached. But obviously, His mother gave Him the Word of God when He was young, and she knew things, and she obviously taught these things. He says in verse 52, "...He has put down the mighty from their thrones, exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things." What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be fulfilled." Did not Jesus say in one place that the Scripture cannot be broken? I've been talking to an individual and I didn't want to bring this up, but I will. A Christian who has said the New Testament is a fake piece of literature. Jesus is not God's Son. I told Him. I said, next thing you know, you'll be rejecting the Old Testament. Sure enough, he did. I told him again, I said, next thing you know, you'll quit believing in God. We'll see how that turns out. But you see how the Scriptures come together, and all of these things go back and tie into the Old Testament. You cannot disconnect the Old Testament prophecies with the New Testament fulfillment. She says in verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. Watch verse 55, as he has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. She understood that what was happening to her was the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham. Obviously, she knew the same thing about the fulfillment of the promise that God had made. David and so I think about the application to this what kind of woman was Mary as we think about our young people today there have been groups of young people who have uh, and I give it different names but they say we're going to be pure until we get married I appreciate young people so much for wanting to do that because the temptation To do otherwise is so strong. How many people today are not even thinking about marriage but just live together? And it's getting worse and worse all the time. Mary remained a virgin until after Jesus was born. Joseph did not know her until after Jesus was born. What an honorable man too who would honor God in His will. But We need young people today who will remember this. Marriage and the things reserved for marriage are worth waiting for. And they're precious in marriage. That's where they belong. But Mary was a virgin, just like Isaiah said that she would be, but she was not sinless. Contrary to the teaching of some in our religious world, you know the you know what immaculate conception means in the minds of some. They said, "Well, God immaculated her and made her sinless." Well, no, he didn't. The Scripture doesn't teach any such thing. She was a good woman. She was a godly woman. She was a virgin, but she was not sinless. Just like anyone else. Why did she go offer a sacrifice for her sin if she were sinless? Let the text teach. But only that uh, she was not a perpetual virgin. As some would teach. We see in Matthew 125, Joseph did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn, until means and afterward that he would have. You read later in Matthew chapter 332, John seven verse three, Jesus had brothers. So she had children after that. But I want to think for a moment about a further application as Mary being a willing servant of God how many mothers or young mothers might have been scared to death as we say it I don't think I can do this I just, I just don't think I can handle this I, obviously God knew she could but she also had a choice and, and she, whatever the Lord said to her she was willing to do it no doubt there would have been some fear and deep concern absolutely she is human but she was a willing servant. Luke chapter 1 in verse 38. The scripture says, Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Mamas, you want to be successful? Be a willing servant. Let it be to you according to the will of God. Secondly, she was willing to rear the Son of God. Luke chapter 6 and verse... Luke chapter... Uh, two in verse forty eight the scripture says that when, when, you know, when they came to the temple, naturally Jesus was separated from his family and mother and father. Well where is he naturally they 're concerned this large crowd, and so she comes back and says, "'Son, why have you done this to us what 's she doing she 's holding Jesus accountable. Think about it. Don't mamas need to hold their children accountable for their actions today? Now, Jesus didn't do wrong, but as a mother, why have you done this to us? She's holding him accountable to rear him and to mature him. As a matter of fact, look look in the latter part of Luke chapter two. He went down to Nazareth with Nazareth with them, and they came to Nazareth, and Jesus was subject to him. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Jesus was subject to his mother, obviously, as God's son, but he was also subject to his mother because he was taught to be. We want our children to be subject. We must teach them to be subject as parents. But I really like verse 52. How did Jesus grow? She also yielded to be a servant to mature her son. Now, I'm going to be honest with you as a student of Scripture. And I think you'll understand why I'm saying this. There are times I'm not sure how much of the Son of God part is at play. And sometimes I'm not sure how much His rearing is at play. But I know this, it all balanced out. And Mary didn't contribute. God didn't choose a heathen woman to raise His son. He chose a godly woman. Obviously what she could do for Him enabled Him... And the scripture says that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. When you start piecing this all together then we see that God chose Mary because of the prophecies. Because of the genealogy. Because of her character. But I want you to see this before we conclude the lesson. Jesus I mean, Mary rather is not seen the last time when Jesus uh, was a boy. No, no. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter nineteen. Here our Lord is. Begin with verse twenty-five. Suspended between heaven and on earth. If you've done any study on crucifixion, he's not doing very well. He's struggling to even breathe. You imagine the lacerations to his back and the blood running down his face from the the crown of thorns and the the nails to his hands and his feet and and he's probably hungry and and dehydrated and probably flies are buzzing around his face and sweat getting in his eyes and, and he's struggling. But he looks down from the cross and he sees his mother She stood by the cross. Mama, that'd be hard, wouldn't it? It would. Stand at the foot of the cross of your crucified son. And there's his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, Behold your son. Now, he can't point, he just has to speak. Obviously, we're talking about John here. Behold your son. She's not talk, he's not talking about himself. She's already done that. I can promise you. I want you to look at John to be your son. And, and John, he says to John, verse 27, Behold your mother. And from that hour, he took her to his own home. What's the point? Mary stood at the foot of the cross of Jesus. You want to be a powerful, effective mother? Stand at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And you see Him suffer, and you know why. And you know He did it for you. Not only that, every mother needed Jesus as a Savior, including Mary. And what's interesting, when you turn over to Acts chapter 2, you find that Mary is with the apostles and the others as they are praying. If you look at Acts chapter 1, rather, in verse 14, they all continue with one accord in prayer, with supplication, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and His brothers. You see, then Mary, Mary doesn't get all distraught about the death of her son. She sees Him now as a Savior, Is she waiting for the promised kingdom? Obviously. Is she waiting for the church that Jesus said He would build? Obviously. Is she there when the church is established on Pentecost? Obviously she was. You see, then God chose a woman like Mary because she just fit everything that needed to be there. Now, the time. Everything comes together when you look at Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. The time was fulfilled. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. God had a timing in place. And His timing is always perfect and right. I don't have time to explain all the reasons why Christianity started When it did, there are a lot of things that that come into play. But the fullness of the time had come. Mary fit into that perfectly. But when when you wipe all these other things away about the strange things people say about her, she's no different than we are. She needed a Savior too. You want to be a woman like Mary? A mother like Mary? A grandmother like Mary, just a Christian like Mary, then follow her example and be what she was the mother of the Son of God. And if you're looking at the future for your life, follow her and bring up sons and daughters for God. He had his purpose it's fulfilled there may be someone here this morning who's not a christian you know jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures first Corinthians 15 and verse 3 and he died and he was buried and he was resurrected on the third day according to the scriptures same chapter but you know why i did that because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of god that's Romans three and verse twenty three. But that sin brings forth death. It separates us from God, but God gave his only begotten Son. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John three sixteen. But he wants us to be forgiven. Jesus would say in Luke thirteen three, A part of my plan is repentance, to turn from sin, unless you perish. And then he says, I want you to confess me before men. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says, If you do, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father who is in heaven. But I also want you to be baptized. Well, what for, Lord? Well, Peter would say in Acts 2 and verse 38, it's for the remission of sins. Ananias said to Saul of Tarsus, in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Paul had been praying for three days. But listen, he's not been forgiven yet. How do I know? Because he's been praying three days. And Ananias says to him after that, said Saul, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know, Saul did that. But he did it because God fulfilled a promise to Mary to bring His Son into the world. And he's our Savior today. If there's some way you need him, the invitation to come to him is yours now as we stand and sing.